This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas. This is episode 107 and uh, today's a bit of a special episode. We're going to be looking at uh, AEW Revolution pay-per-view and uh, give you our preview, our predictions to the uh, seven or eight matches that have been announced so far. So I can't wait to talk to our special guest about uh, the matches that are going to be taking place at Revolution on Saturday night um, on uh, the Fight Network. Uh, we're also going to be covering this week's NXT and AEW Dynamite as well. And we'll be answering some of your listener questions at the very back end of the episode. So can't talk about uh, quite a, a stacked week, really. And uh, looking at uh, NXT, AEW Dynamite, and then a little bit about uh, Revolution. Um, it's going to be a great episode of Wrestling with Jonathan. So thank you for joining us. But before we introduce our special guest, just a little bit of a plug, really. And uh, it's all about WrestlingWithJonathan.com, our brand new website. We can go to WrestlingWithJonathan.com for all of your daily news, updates, exclusive articles, as well as our full archive of podcasts so all 106 and this being our 107th episode all up there on wrestlingwithjohnners.com all of our links to our social media all of our vlogs and exclusive interviews including our latest one with Chantel Jordan and so much more uh, we've also got uh, links at the very top of the page to all of our merchandise as well so including the original wrestling with Jonas logo tee our new unsanctioned tee our podcast strong style tee hoodies, phone cases, mugs, and so much more. Uh, just check it out at the wrestlingwithjohnners.com website. Uh, you won't regret it. So uh, let's uh, speak to our very special guest that's going to be talking us through all the good stuff NXT and AEW related. He's been on the podcast once before, and uh, we, we kind of um, came across one another through Facebook. And uh, first and foremost, this person is, is an artist, a very talented artist, focuses very much on wrestling art, and uh, that's kind of how myself and this special guest uh, got chatting on Facebook. And I wanted to reintroduce to the Wrestling with Jonas listeners to Nick Tower. So, Nick, uh, good evening. How are you, sir? And thank you for coming back on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. No, not a problem, dude. Thanks for having me back. Uh, yeah, I'm all good. How's yourself? Yeah, very, very well, and uh, even better to be speaking to you. So we had you on the podcast a few months ago, and uh, I think we were talking the usual NXT and AEW highlights and all that. Uh, uh, but we, we introduced you as, as a bit of an artist and uh, focusing on wrestling art. Now, we, we kind of came across one another when it was getting close to our one-year anniversary, and I approached you to do the artwork uh, for the, the kind of the, the cover for the first year anniversary of the Wrestling with Jonas podcast and you did a, an outstanding job um, so go out and check that out if, if you haven't done so already but what have you been up to recently then Nick I mean you we're all seeing little snippets from you on Facebook of uh, bits of artwork that you're doing 
and uh, you've done an AEW themed bit of artwork. You've done an NWA uh, themed uh, bit of uh, artwork. And of course, you did our NXT slash NXT UK bit of artwork for the anniversary episode. Uh, but tell us what you've been up to recently, because you're still very active um, doing your artwork, wrestling themed artwork. Uh, bring us up to date then, Nick. Uh, well, most two recent pieces are uh, for charity events that are happening. Uh, soon uh first one being uh did a t-shirt design of the late great chris travis for one more round which is a charity uh show in sheffield uh, if anybody's interested um look up a guy called mikey van riot and he will give you the information on the t-shirts and the show and the next piece that i'm working on after that was for another charity event which is going on in may uh also in sheffield called Soccer and Spandex. It's basically uh, working on a, yeah, just a, a piece, another piece of Chris Travis for that. Uh, and I'll probably be doing a follow-up piece to it as well. Uh, I generally do a couple of pieces for him each year. Yeah. And so we, we probably asked this question when we had you on the podcast before, but how did you, how did you first kind of uh, start getting involved in, in, in uh, wrestling art in particular? And uh, do you remember your, your first piece, um, and uh, I think you got quite a bit of um, traction on social media uh, with some of your early art projects. But just um, kind of backtrack and tell us a little bit about some how, how you first got into wrestling art then, Nick. Uh, <laughs> it goes back to probably the first piece of wrestling artwork I did. It was probably was like 10 or 11 or something. It was a British Bulldogs piece. Uh, but it's always been something I've always... I'm a massive comic book geek uh, and a massive wrestling geek. So I've been drawing since I was like age eight or nine. So I'm either drawing comic book stuff or I'm drawing wrestling-themed comic book stuff. Uh, it's Yeah, it's basically my two key interests. I've got to draw what I'm interested in because uh, it's what motivates me. So it's either comic book-related or wrestling-related. It's, it's that yeah. simple. Yeah, and uh, kind of after the, the charity pieces that you're working on at the moment, Nick, any, any kind of future plans? What, what kind of projects do you have uh, kind of in the future? Um, I kind of randomly come up with ideas um, and then I kind of get put a pin in them for a while. But a, a while ago, I thought up uh, Mark Haskins and Vicky Haskins, Sin City style piece. Nice. Uh, I'm probably going to try and draw a bit like the... Uh, Clive Owen and Rosaria Dawson character from Sin City when they're yes. embracing the rain, but of the Haskins instead. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I'm a big fan of uh, um, those two, so can't wait to see that. But uh, no, c congratulations on all your fantastic work and especially being involved in them. Excellent charities. Um, so if we want to kind of, uh, if you've got any um, social media uh, links where we can kind of check you out or uh, kind of get to see any of your artwork, Nick, if any of the listeners want to kind of check you out and uh, get more involved in what you're doing, where can they find you? Uh, well, uh, find me at just Nick Towers on Facebook. Um, you'll see me popping up in the comments section on on your page quite often. Of course. Uh, I've got uh, an artwork page called Wrestling Artwork V2 on Facebook. Uh, again, just I think I'm under Pencil Tree on Instagram and uh, Pencil Tree on Twitter. You certainly are. You certainly are. So I'll make sure that those uh, links 
uh, to your uh, social media pages are uh, added to the description of this episode. So just click into the description of this episode if you want to find out more about Nick Towers and all of his wonderful stuff and uh, go and say hi to Nick. But uh, Nick, uh, before we get talking about NXT and AEW and Revolution and all that good stuff, I'm interested to know, did you see uh, WWE Super Showdown from Saudi Arabia last night, sir? Uh, no, I am one of the people who I do bitch and moan about the uh, the Saudi shows, but I do not watch them, so I don't bitch and moan about them. You generally don't watch them. Um, yeah. I do know what happens. I did, I've what well, I've kind of gone on and read the Bleacher Report of the the results. So yeah. I know. Yeah, the loss of the momentum. I was getting all ready for a fiend and reigns. I'd mentally prepared for Roman to take the boat off of a mania, so I'm slightly uh, shocked. Well, we, we don't know what's around the corner, but uh, it doesn't look good after last night. I mean, you, you've obviously up to date with, with the results and what happened in yeah. Saudi Arabia, as am I. Now, I haven't seen any of it yet. Uh, I do plan to watch kind of the matches that were interested interesting to me going into it. Uh, you know, Ricochet and uh, Brock Lesnar, I know that that was uh, a bit of a... A, a squash match, but um, yeah. I, I want to talk. To, I want to talk to you very briefly about you, your opinion on the Fiends and Bill Goldberg. So obviously we've got a new WWE Universal Champion. Goldberg demolished the Fiend after four spears and a jackhammer in only three minutes to be the new Universal Champion. So it looks like he's going into WrestleMania, and uh, yeah. the Fiends' undefeated streak. Uh, this this character, this aura um, of the Fiends. Uh, Bray Wyatt's new character, which has been around since about April, May last year. So coming up a whole year has been kind of demolished in in, in three minutes, Nick. So what's your thoughts on what went down during that match last night? I know you haven't seen the action, but you've obviously, you know, heard the the repercussions and kind of uh, how vocal people are online about uh, that match and what went down. And uh, it's not a popular outcome by many people, myself included. But uh, what's your kind of thoughts and feelings about that match in particular? Uh, if I can put it into words, I'm trying to sort of. I just want to make random noises because that's probably pretty much sums up my um, general feeling on the subject. But firstly, wow, how did Goldberg get a title shot? Exactly. Uh, yes. Uh, where did he come from? What, how did he earn this title shot? It's all of a sudden he's just, he turns up and then, yeah, the dude's got a title shot. And I'm just like, I just cannot fathom it for the slightest. Um, you know, this dude that they. Obviously, just throwing a load of money out, hoping that he draws, he gets a bit of interest, he gets people talking, which it has done. Um, but it's just you know, the, the feed's been one of the greatest things that they've done, um, in a long time. Um, it's just obviously all of that was down to well, majority of it was down to Bray. You could tell it was a Bray character, not a Vince created character or a Vince endorsed character, and the uh. The actions of Goldberg just kind of reinforce that logic. It's just Vince, you know, showing he's got the bigger corners. Yeah, and and you know, it's a shame that we won't see uh, the Fiends enter WrestleMania as the champion, or, or it's not looking likely that he's going to be the champion anyway. But it's, I mean, looking at possible opponents for either Goldberg or the Fiends going into Mania, you, you've got a couple of options really. That you know, originally we were we were looking forward to, as you mentioned, a, a possible. Uh, Roman Reigns versus the Fiend championship match. Now that doesn't look like it's on the cards, but there's still a likelihood of having Roman Reigns versus the Fiend, or maybe 
you know, John Cena could be thrown into the mix. There's a lot of people saying that John Cena could be going after his 17th championship. So it could be a dream match uh, between Goldberg and John Cena. A lot of people are saying that it could be The Fiend versus John Cena, allowing The Fiend to get his WrestleMania win back after uh, John Cena beat him. Uh, what would it have been? Six years ago in New Orleans, uh, WrestleMania 30. Um, but um, do any of their matches kind of, you know, do anything for you? A, a possible match between Goldberg and Reigns or John Cena versus The Fiend or, you know, Roman yeah. Reigns versus whomever. So um, any matches? What do you think is the likely kind of uh, lineup with those four individuals? I think what you said, first of all, is the best case scenario. Get Reigns and Goldberg. Uh, Reigns beats Goldberg for the title. Yeah. Spear versus Spear, you know. you know, yeah. big... And I think The Fiend needs to fight Cena and beat him to get the momentum back, yeah. uh, just to try and rebuild the character. Um, I probably see it being Cena-Goldberg, though, and it being Fiend versus Reigns. And that, means, that match means nothing without the title on the line. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, if I could be controversial for a moment or two, I, I don't, I don't think the fiend really needed the championship belt to start off with. To be honest with you, I thought that his character didn't really suit having a belt uh, of any description. To be honest with you, yeah. so it, you know, in my in my mind, you know, if I'm being honest with you, you know, I probably prefer to see him not as the champion because um, I don't think he really needs a championship. I think that the character and the aura of The Fiend kind of does it all for me. Um, but I, I was, you know, gutted when I heard the news that uh, he lost the championship because he'd been so impervious to pain and so undefeatable and kind of, you know, demolished superstars like Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, yeah. Daniel Bryan, The Miz, so easily. And then to go down so easily to Bill Goldberg last night in Saudi Arabia just seemed like a bit of a, a throwaway match, a bit of a waste of all the effort they put into building The Fiend's character. But hopefully uh, they're doing it with a purpose that he can go into WrestleMania and kind of get uh, a WrestleMania win. Um, I, I, I don't know whether I'm right in saying this, but I think Bray Wyatt has had about five or six uh, matches at WrestleMania. And I don't think he's been successful in a single one. So, you know, hopefully they'll kind of do something positive for him there, whether it be against Goldberg in a rematch, against Roman Reigns, or possibly against John Cena. I'd, I'd prefer to see the John Cena match, to be honest with you. I yeah. think that that could be good. Um, and then see Roman Reigns against uh, Goldberg. That that could be another good match, potentially. But I'm just gutted at the way they handled uh, kind of uh, the fiend last night. Um, and, and like you say, you know, how did Goldberg get a shot so soon? Uh, you know, he, the last match I can remember was uh, when he when he faced and lost to The Undertaker in another Saudi show last year. So he's not really kind of one matches to get himself uh, a number one contender shot. But uh, there we go. Uh, fun and games. WWE like to keep us on our toes and keep throwing us the odd swerve uh, and curveball every so often, don't they, Nick? But uh, that that's all, you know, uh, par for the course being a wrestling fan nowadays. But uh, there we yeah. go. Um, it, it's, uh, if nothing else, it's got a lot of people talking, uh, but yeah. uh, for, for all the wrong reasons. Uh, let's have a little look at uh, this week's NXT then, Nick. So another really good show. And I, I've said this from day one. I mean, NXT's always been a fabulous show. And uh, to be honest with you, when, when they've gone to two hours from October last year, they just stepped it up time and time again. And their matches just, you know, they never fail to, uh, to to kind of amaze people, really. But, um, I mean, this week's show kicked off with Dominic Dijakovic in a match against uh, relative newcomer Cameron Grimes. They had a really entertaining match, a really good opener to this week's NXT. Um, and the fans were really into it as well. Towards the end of the match, uh, Damien Priest 
comes out here, attacks Dijakovic before kind of uh, diving uh, for cover over the railings into the front row. Um, after the attack, Dijakovic just manages to beat the referee 10 count, gets into the ring, but he's greeted by a Cameron Grimes uh, double foot stomp, which he calls the cave-in for the 1-2-3. Um, and this has to be one of the biggest victories in uh, Cameron Grimes' NXT career so far. Um, so, th- so that was a really good opener. Then we had a, quite a big announcement from NXT general manager William Regal, who said that in the coming weeks, uh, there'll be a series of qualifying matches in the NXT women's division with the winner of each of them qualifying matches going on. And they'll be entered into a, a number one contenders ladder match at NXT TakeOver Tampa over WrestleMania weekend. So that should be a particularly interesting match uh, with the added bonus of facing the winner of the match between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair the following night at WrestleMania. So, you know, that's what I like to see in wrestling, to be honest with you, Nick, a a match or matches with something on the line, something big at stake, um, uh, you know, for the winner. And in this case, it's a huge ladder match. People have to qualify to be part of that ladder match at TakeOver Tampa with the winner going on as the new number one contender. But uh, give give us your thoughts on uh, on William Regal's announcement and this, this quite intriguing announcement is going to be qualifying matches for this uh, ladder match at uh, TakeOver Tampa then, buddy? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good journey. Uh, the women's division in NXT is off the chart. I think they've got the strongest uh, women's division across the, the brand, across the company, well, just in wrestling in general. So you think about some of the potential matches it's going to lead up to and it's yeah. I think we're gonna. I don't think there will be a dud match. I think everybody in that division has got the potential to have an awesome match, and whoever ends up in the you know, in the large match at the end uh, will have earned it. But will also you know bust a gut to put a performance on. Yeah, totally agree. And if you look at some of the names, I mean, you mentioned how hot the NXT Women's Division is and has been for a long, long time now. You know, you've got the likes of Candice LeRae, you've got the likes of Tiga Knox, Dakota Kai, you've got the likes of uh, Io Shirai, who will hopefully be coming back soon. And, you know, and if, if those four alone are in that ladder match, that'd be pretty awesome. But, uh, you know, there's probably going to be other names thrown in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it should be pretty, pretty awesome. But uh, any any wrestlers within the NXT women's division you're particularly looking forward to being part of these qualified matches and any that you'd like to see go on to that ladder match in Tampa? Uh Io Shirai, I think I just say if she's back in time for the uh, for the competition, uh she's gonna be the, the one to watch. Her and Belair, I think will be the two standouts. I presume Belair's gonna be in it. So she's I, always at the top of the chart. So definitely yeah, yeah. Uh, that's gonna uh, be that's gonna be really, really hot. I think you'll find obviously Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai storyline kind of continues on through the tournament. So one of those will probably cost the other one of the spot or something. Yeah. Um, I would love to see Knox in the ladder match, but I think depending on how long they want to go on with this Kai storyline for, I think they still got that's still got legs that can go on for a bit further. Yeah, when you consider, you know, the likes of uh, Tony Storm, she's not really kind of uh, had uh, a lot of matches since she's come up onto the black and gold brand. That'd be good to see more of her potentially <clears throat> and so many more. Uh, but that, that that's going to be really good and uh, quite a positive announcement from William Regal on that. I should imagine that we'll start seeing qualified matches possibly from as soon as next week. Uh, but then... In the next segment on this week's NXT, we saw Finn Balor. He came out to the ring for a, for a promo saying that uh, when the bell rings, he is the guy. Uh, Finn says that, uh, that he builds brands. He says that he's, uh, he's uh, conquered Japan. He's conquered Mexico. He's won the Intercontinental Championship, the Universal Championship. He's been the NXT uh, champion as well. 
Finn asks who is the next one to get the Finn rub. Uh, then we get an unexpected visit from Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel from Imperium, of course, who say that the NXT UK champion Walter sends his regards. Uh, Finn was then quick to respond, taking out both members of Imperium. Uh, but as uh, Balor was about to destroy Fabian Eichner with a, a shotgun drop kick into the railings, Finn is blindsided by uh, a running forearm from uh, from out of nowhere by Marcel Bartel and the Imperium pair. They strike with uh, with a running knee. Uh, with uh, the head of Balor into the steel ring steps. I send a clear message to Finn Balor that uh, he has the attention of the current NXT UK champion, Walter. So, Nick, it looks like the Prince uh, will be the, you know, the next contender, quite possibly, to Walter's NXT UK crown. Um, I know that there was the announcement at TakeOver Portland about to NXT UK TakeOver Dublin, which is going to be an awesome show towards the end of uh, April, so after Mania. Um, and it almost certainly looks like they're setting up Finn Balor to be uh, Walter's next opponent, possibly in the main event of TakeOver Dublin. Um, but, uh, you know, what's your thoughts on what went down here? And, um, you know, with Finn Balor, portraying himself as, as the biggest heel in NXT, it kind of looks like uh, almost overnight um, he's now turned babyface. But uh, what's your thoughts on what went down here then, buddy? Um, yeah, I think any time you get Imperium involved, uh, it's got to be entertaining. And yeah, if the you know the final result is going to be Fimbalor versus Walter, uh, I'm all for it. That's, that's potentially, it's just a shame it's not going to be on WrestleMania weekend. That to me is, could be the show stealer on any card. Uh, those two guys will just go hard and they'll just put on a hell of a match. And thought the actual segment was done really well and uh, it came out of nowhere. I wouldn't have you know, thought it was something that was going to happen. So I pleasantly surprised when they turned up. Always happy to see Finn. Uh, yeah, like I said about being the babyface, though, um, I don't know. It's going to be one of those weird situations where it's a heel on heel match based technically. But yeah, Finn will be the one who. Will get the cheers over Walter, I presume, or it'll just be a 50 50 split with the audience. Yeah, I think, I think if, if that's uh, the main event they're going with for TakeOver Dublin, Finn Balor's going to be uh, um, over huge in the, with the, the Dublin oh. crowd, but uh, um, I think it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be, you know. <laughs> It's going to be a big night for Finn Balor. And, you know, we've been speculating for months now on social media, you know, who's going to be the guy to be the the, the number one contender who could possibly take the championship off of Walter. You know, we, we've suggested, could it be Tyler Bate in a rematch? Could it be Trent Seven? Could it be Jordan Devlin? Well, uh, you know, they're all tied up in, in other programs. Jordan Devlin is now the cruiserweight champion, of course. So, you know, Finn Balor from left field uh, looks like it's a natural choice that uh, many of us didn't think of. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's going to be an awesome match. I'm, I'm sure it will take place in Dublin. I'm sure we we'll get more on this uh, kind of little storyline and this thread next week on NXT. But uh, I'm all for it. And, you know, a credible contender, a, a credible opponent for Walter. And, uh, you know, dare I say it, potentially, you know, we, we know what Finn Balor is all about. We know how good he is. But uh, I think he, he's definitely good enough to be the next uh, NXT UK champion. But uh, we will have to see. Uh, but that's a storyline that we'll I see more of over the coming weeks. What happens if he wins it, though? You know, because he's going to be backwards and forwards. He's going to be on NXT UK. He's going to be not on NXT. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, I think, Walter needs it more than he does. But how do you have Finn not win it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um yeah, it's going to be an interesting one unless they, I don't know, potentially have 
Uh, two matches they could potentially have Walter versus Finn at TakeOver Tampa and then have the rematch at TakeOver Dublin so Finn could win it in Tampa and then lose it to Walter in Dublin. I don't know, but uh, uh, that, that, you know, that, that's a feud that you can definitely get mileage out of and definitely get a good two or three matches out of. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, they could they could change the stipulation if they do decide to kind of have more than one match. But, um, uh, yeah, like you say, Finn Balor being the NXT UK champion, you know, NXT UK is a brand that is still... It's, it's excellent action, but I still don't think it's taken off as much as uh, some of the other brands around uh, WWE at the moment. So, but maybe Finn Balor's, you know, could be a, a good figurehead for the brand, and he could be the one to really kind of lift NXT UK into prominence and make it exciting, get more people tuned in potentially. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely hooked. I'm definitely interested to see where this one goes and that that kind of storyline and angle from this Wednesday took me by surprise wasn't expecting it at all but thinking about it Walter versus Finn Balor makes perfect sense so uh, yeah and there's a speculation as well of course there's probably more than speculation that Finn Balor is going to be at the NXT UK tapings in Coventry which is the uh, next set of tapings leading us to uh, take over Dublin of course so uh, we'll find out more when that goes down very very soon uh, our next match from this week's NXT, though, Nick, was uh, Austin Theory against Tommaso Ciampa. So these two had a little bit of a confrontation last week after kind of Austin came out for his match, was interrupted by Tommaso Ciampa, and then uh, kind of had a bit of a set to and a bit of a beating by Tommaso, which led to this match on Wednesday. So it was a, a series of uh, moves from Theory, uh, Austin Theory, that, that had been genuinely concerned for Ciampa's surgically repaired neck. Uh, especially the buckle bomb that he delivered to Tommaso Ciampa and then the Ushiguroshi, they both looked really, really painful. Uh, Theory threw everything at Ciampa in this match. Uh, the two fought outside with uh, Austin Theory throwing Ciampa into the barriers in the same way that Ciampa did to him the previous week. Um, but it was the former NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa who got the hard-fought victory after executing a Willow's Bell followed by a fairy tales ending for the pinfall and uh you know this match uh was really really good it was a competitive match uh you know the, the action after the match didn't stop there though we had john gargano he came to the ring he rushed the ring as a matter of fact in quite a fetching baby blue suit jacket uh which he promptly took off uh but uh you know, he, he put a bit of a beating into his former DIY tag team partner, uh, you know, with a bit of a vicious attack uh, to put an added exclamation point to his heel turn after TakeOver Portland. So uh, it looks like going into TakeOver Tampa, I know we're talking about TakeOver Tampa an awful lot because that's our next uh, big show from NXT over WrestleMania weekend. But it looks like we've got, uh, you know, a heel Gargano going up against a babyface Champa. So it's the match we should have had last year, uh, apart from, you know, uh, Tommaso Champa being pulled um, just before having neck surgery. Um, but uh, roles are reversed this time, Nick. You've obviously got the babyface Champa, the heel Gargano going into it. It's going to be a hell of a match. Um, but uh, yeah, is, is that a match that fascinates you? Um, and uh, how does it kind of strike you with the roles being reversed this time round? Um, it's always going to be a match that sort of gets my interest. Those two um, just strike gold, but you know, pretty much 99% of the time. Uh, my only thing, I just can't see. Uh, Gorgano is a heel. It's just uh, Champa was great as a heel. He's awesome as a heel. Um, I just, I mean, they'll make it work. I've got zero doubt about it. I'm not sort of, it's not concerning. I'm not going to sort of badmouth it and say, oh, you know, it's stupid. Um, they'll, they'll work it out somehow. I'm just 
skeptical of uh, Johnny Boy being the the bad guy. You know, he's just too, he's just too goddamn lovable to be a bad guy. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, I've got the same sentiments as you, to be honest with you. And uh, I know they they tried to turn Gargano heel at some point last year, uh, yeah. but it, it was kind of a it didn't really take off. Um, but so you know he's got to be really devilish and he's got to be really kind of heelish this time round to convince the fans. Um, but so he's making a good job of it so far. You know these attacks. I mean, Tommaso Ciampa is obviously a beloved babyface. Now you were quite right in what you said that he was the the, the most hated of heels, especially when he used to come out to no music and the fans were booing him and you know all sorts of uh, chants towards him. He was the most hated wrestler and probably the best heel in the business at the time. Uh, and he's turned that around to be possibly the most beloved babyface. And now it's down to Gargano to prove that he can be a great heel. And I'm sure he can. He, he does tend to deliver with whatever's thrown at him. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. And um, I've, I've got a funny feeling they're going to add a stipulation as well. I mean, they did have quite a few stipulation matches when they were feuding. Uh, so it would have been 2018. They had their kind of series That's of matches. But last um, one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I think the the last match they had was uh, TakeOver Phoenix. So that was over Rumble Weekend 2019. Um, But uh, yeah, no doubt they're going to deliver in the ring or around the ring or wherever they uh, have their match. Um, But uh, yeah, so that's another intriguing storyline and another kind of, uh, you know, pairing and dynamic between these two wrestlers. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, but uh, definitely, you know, you've got two of the best there. So they're definitely going to deliver on the microphone and in the ring. But uh, yeah, can't wait to see what happens with that. Um, Then we had a, you know, a really fun battle between two big men, uh, Ozilla, uh, Bronson Reed versus Killian Dane with some huge moves from these two big monsters, including a, 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 a superplex from Dane onto Reed that literally shook the ring. That was an awesome <laughs> move. Uh, Dane eventually got the ring, uh, the win from a, a Vader bomb, and it was nice to see Killian Dane picking up a win after some recent losses. Uh, but uh, a massive shout out to Bronson Reed, who, you know, who just looks more and more impressive every time I see him on my TV screen. Uh, so that was a really good big man match. Really enjoyed that one. Uh, then we had the, the Grizzled Young Veterans. Uh, they were victorious over the Forgotten Sons. Did a pretty good tag team match, to be honest with you. Even Nigel McGuinness acknowledged that uh, this was one of the better matches he's seen from the Forgotten Sons in a long, long time. And, uh, you know, with the way things are looking, uh, GYV, the Grizzled Young Veterans, are being pushed. And um, it looks like they could be in contention for NXT Tag Team Gold. I mean, they've been in on NXT for a month or so now. They were part of the Dusty Classic, of course, got to the final. They lost to the Bros Awaits. But uh, I think, you know, they were one of the, the acts in that tournament that really got themselves over. They've had a few matches since that they've been uh, victorious in included this one over the Forgotten Sons. So it looks like, you know, come WrestleMania weekend and take over Tampa, we could see GYV. Uh, they're a former NXT UK tag team champions, but they could be going for the gold on the uh, the gold on the black and gold brand. Uh, but uh, are you a fan of uh, GYV? And uh, what did you think of their performance this Wednesday? Yeah, uh, I think Gibson is off the chart when it comes to his promo work and stuff, which is probably one of the reasons as well that they've kind of gotten over. It's any time they put a mic in his face, the guy's delivered. Um, and sort of just the segments between him and Riddle leading up to the final, thought with gold. Um, and it says a lot as well for unscripted promos. I know that's also always a big thing kicking about. And I kind of get the feeling that they just say to Gibson, just say what you want to say, and it, it, you know, it, it pays off. Um, they're awesome. I was a fan of the uh, Forgotten Sons, probably when they were at their peak a couple of years ago when they nearly won the Dusty Classic. 
Um, I think it was a good tag team. I think Riker's awesome. I think all three of them work. They just, I think NXT management have lost faith in them. Um, and the fact that the veterans, you know, beat them two on three um, speaks volumes now. Yeah, I think they're a good act and they've grown on me. I, w- I wasn't a fan, uh, but I have become... Uh, more of a fan of theirs. I, I think that they've got better as a team. I think their their double team moves are quite devastating. Um, I was expecting them to do something more with Jackson Riker before now. To be honest with you, he's a, he's a big, imposing dude. You know, he looks good, uh, muscular, got some great tattoos. But I was expecting him to do more with him in the singles ranks. But they just seem to have kind of kept him alongside the the other two. Um, so. Yeah, you know, maybe a, a wasted opportunity. Maybe they should have pushed a button on those three sooner. But um, now they seem to be pushed as uh, more baby faces uh, against, the, certainly against the heel duo of Gibson and Drake in uh, this match on Wednesday. The Forgotten Sons were getting uh, getting baby face cheers from the fans. So well, that was quite interesting. Bit of a change of dynamics. They came out and stood up for America against the you know those nasty Brits who dare say yeah. something. Yeah, exactly. It's always it's always the the English and the, the, the Brits that are that are portrayed as as the bad guys. Uh, it, it, like any like any uh, Bond film or anything like that. It's always it's always, it's always the the heel uh, English or British people, isn't it? <laughs> there we go. But then that led us nicely. I tell you what. Before we speak about the main event, I don't know if you caught kind of uh, throughout this week's episode of NXT. There was some strange kind of little pop up little teaser vignettes. Um, there was like a, a ticking clock there was a vulture uh, or an albatross so that there were kind of explosions and destroyed buildings and then at the very end you heard uh, some voice saying uh, chaos reigns uh, so this is obviously you know building towards uh, something or somebody possibly making their debut on NXT sometime soon. There's been a you know a, a lot of theories online that it could be something connected to Killer Cross, who's recently signed with NXT. But uh, I don't know if you caught these uh, little snippets. But uh, any thoughts on uh, on what you saw there? Any kind of any ideas on who they might be uh, about? Hey, um, I would probably say Killer, yeah, Killer Cross. Um, but I know they've been doing kind of like things on uh, Raw as well, haven't they? Like little like glitches and this, that, yeah. and the other. And, um, you know, they're talking. That's probably going to be the return of um, Ali um, or Cross. But yeah, he's going to turn up somewhere. I think he's he's a perfect fit for NXT. Um, but to be fair, he's, he's awesome. He could fit on NXT Raw or SmackDown. But I'm kind of hoping with the freedom he goes to NXT, just because I think he'll shine more there with a bit of creative freedom yeah totally and um yeah i think you're spot on there definitely but i uh, can't wait to see killer cross or uh, i don't know if they're going to give him a, a gimmick change a name change they probably will um but uh, yeah he's, he's an outstanding athlete uh, a really good wrestler fantastic in front of the camera so uh, yeah can't wait to see what happens there but uh, let's talk about the main event of this week's nxt then so it's charlotte flair versus bianca belair um i i was kind of you know in, in the last few weeks i've been speculating that or maybe hoping wishful thinking that belair would be added to the match at mania turned into a three-way i think that would kind of make it a bit more entertaining uh, i think charlotte flair is an excellent excellent wrestler but um Rhea ripley i'm not quite convinced that she's kind of the full package inside the ring and I'm much more entertained by somebody like Bianca Belair, to be honest with you. But uh, in this match, you had Charlotte Flair. Um, she had like a, a big superstar entrance. 
and she was uh, promptly told by the NXT faithful that she don't go here. So she wasn't welcomed back with, with open arms by the NXT crowd. Uh, this match started with some you know, pretty good chain wrestling between these two, with uh, Belair displaying some of her athleticism and, and strength uh, before Flair struck back with a few trademark Flair knife-edge chops. Uh, this was probably the most competitive match I've seen Charlotte Flair in in a long, long time, especially when you compare this match to anything she's done on Raw Smackdown over recent years. Um, but uh, this match was really good. The fans were really into it. They were on their feet uh, for quite a dramatic ending as Belair and Charlotte Flair, they, they exchanged spears. Uh, so first a spear from Bianca Belair, then a spear from Charlotte Flair. This allowed Charlotte Flair to hit her natural selection finisher. She hooked the legs uh, of Belair and got the pinfall victory. Uh, Flair then uh, went to the outside. She picked up a steel chair. She went back inside, wrapped the chair around uh, Bianca Belair's leg before dropping a knee. And then she applied her figure eight uh, leg lock on Belair. Then current NXT Women's Champion Rhea Ripley. She came out to chase uh, Charlotte Flair out of the ring uh, with the show going off the air with Ripley holding up her NXT Championship high above their head. So Nick... You know, this was a really good match. The fans loved it. Um, you know, I would go so far as to say that this was probably a better match than what we're likely to see between Flair and Ripley at WrestleMania. And that might be slightly controversial, but I think that, you know, with the WWE fingerprints over such a match uh, between Flair and Ripley, it's, you know, it's probably not going to be as good as what we saw on Wednesday night between Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair. Uh, am I being a bit too harsh on WWE? Um, but, you know, what's your, what's your thoughts on... Um, this match and uh, you know what we're likely to see um, on April the 5th at Mania No I fully agree with you I think um, they had such a good match because again um, to mention it the creative freedom that they have in NXT um, I think they're allowed to do a bit more stuff to have a bit more input it's not as um, scripted out or moveset, um, you know, it's just, it's just not as structured. They could probably call it, you know, within the match, they can get a feel for the match, they can feel what the, the fans are going for, and you know, call a spot after a spot. Um, whereas, yeah, at Mania, I think it's literally going to be like, right, you do this, 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 and it's just gonna, yeah, yeah, you're not going to get that sort of genuine um, um, energy between, you know. Rhea and Charlotte. Uh, Belez, again, off the chart. You know, she's... Uh, I'm not bothered that she lost. I think it just adds to the fact of when she does get that title, eventually, you know, she'll, she'll have earned it. Uh, yeah, it's just... And also, the, the timing at the end um, kind of was off when Ripley came out to make the save. That was... I don't know if that's down to Ripley or somebody, you know, mistimed it. Uh, but she seemed to come out and then kind of dawdle around for a few seconds, like, uh, and then she dashed down to make the save. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I thought it was a fantastic match and a really, really good episode of NXT. And what, what I did notice this week compared to previous weeks, and I, I've been quite hard on the, the fans inside the Full Sail Arena or the NXT Arena, whatever they're calling it nowadays, I've been quite hard on the uh, NXT fans, um, you know, always campaigning for NXT to go on the road and to, you know, do their Wednesday night show uh, kind of in not necessarily big arenas, but uh, in front of fresh, uh, fresh audiences, fresh eyes, um, new environments um, to bring a bit more life and a bit more freshness to the product on Wednesday nights. But the, the fans here on this Wednesday, I mean, there were some good matches, some really, really good matches and some good action. And I thought the fans were really into it. So, um, 
you know, I take back some of my harsh comments I've laid on them over recent weeks. But uh, this match in particular definitely had the fans on their feet. They were really, really into it. Uh, loved the, the action between Belair and Charlotte Flair. And like you say, Charlotte Flair just seemed to wrestle with a, a lot more freedom. It was the same as when AJ Styles made his appearance on NXT at the back end of last year. And, you know, when these wrestlers that you see every single week on Raw and every single week on SmackDown and the main roster and on pay-per-views every single month. And their matches just seem like, you know, paid by numbers. Uh, you know what they're going to do. You know the spots. You can always predict the moves as they happen. And, uh, you know, it just seems uh, like she was enjoying what she was doing in the ring. She was wrestling with a lot more freedom. You could really tell in the way the match kind of developed that it was a match that you haven't really seen from Charlotte Flair like this in a long, long time. Um, but I think that really, really added to it. And they were obviously given instructions to go out there, enjoy themselves, have a good match. And they did have a great match and the fans really appreciated it. But uh, yeah, I think that's one of the better matches I've seen uh, from Charlotte Flair in a long, long time. But uh, love the hell out of it. And then next week on NXT, Nick, you've got a couple of big matches to look forward to. Two big steel cage matches, I understand. You've got Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox. Uh, I'm not sure whether this is going to be their blow-off match, whether this is going to be the last match. We'll see of these two. But that's going to be inside of a steel cage. You've got the added drama of having uh, Dakota Kai's new uh, kind of uh, bodyguard, um, Rina Gonzalez or uh, Raquel Gonzalez, whatever they're calling it nowadays. Uh, but uh, how that's going to play into it. But uh, And then you've got the Velveteen Dream going up against Roderick Strong in another match of theirs. They, they had a great match. I think it was on last week's NXT. Yeah. Next week, they're going one-on-one -on -one in a steel cage. So a couple of good matches there. Uh, in particular, Velveteen Dream, you know what he's like. He's bound to do some sort of death-defying leap from the top of the cage. Uh, I don't know if he'll go as far as to do a moonsault like Cody did last week, uh, but possibly a you know, big elbow or something like that. But uh, uh, did those two matches on next week's show, do they uh, do anything for you? Do they intrigue you? If so, what are you looking forward to the most? Uh, yeah, they both do. Uh, mentioned it earlier on, massive T. Good Knox fan. Been a fan of her uh, since obviously in the UK scene as Nixon Newell. Um, mm. She's awesome. Um, and the fact that she's obviously a massive comic book fan and uh, Captain Marvel fan pops me all the time. Um, the cage match obviously is genuinely used to be, you know, the final match of a feud. That's how you ended a feud was in a cage match. That's old school, you know, mentality. So. Um, whether that means this is the final match or whether they're just going to continue on. I think they've still got legs. I don't think they need to do a cage match yet. I think they could have had a few more matches and then, you know, finished it with a cage match. That's uh, yeah. for the Albertine strong one. Yeah, I can, I'm kind of hoping this is their final match. Um, the matches are awesome, but, I, you know, I think Dream can go after uh, some other people now. He could go, you know, after the Undisputed Era one by one if it eventually leads to him going after the Cole. Uh, you know, for the title. Yeah, awesome. I totally agree. Yeah, I, I think that's where it's heading, certainly with Velveteen Dream. Um, and we could see a development in, in, in that kind of um, thread next Wednesday, but I, I'm expecting the Velveteen Dream to uh, uh, go on to face Adam Cole at TakeOver Tampa over Mania weekend. So that would be a great match. Um, so, um, yeah, looking forward to next week and those two steel cage matches. But um, Nick... Before we talk about uh, AEW Revolution and our predictions uh, and all the matches that's going to be going down on Saturday night, let's talk about this past Wednesday's AEW Dynamite then. So 
this past week's uh, Dynamite, this week's AEW Dynamite, actually started with the much-anticipated 30-minute Ironman match between Kenny Omega and the Bastard Pack. Uh, Omega was accompanied to the ring by uh, fellow elite members, the Young Bucks, with uh, Hangman Adam Page conspicuous by his absence. Uh, there was an awesome avalanche brainbuster from Pack onto Omega towards the uh, the beginning of the match. That looked like it sucked. Uh, there, there was uh, a, a really, you know, they they were quite stiff with one another from the word go. This is a very, very stiff, very strong style match. Um, Omega won the first fall about halfway through the match with a steel chair shot, or, or thanks to a steel chair shot uh, from Pack causing a disqualification for the first fall to Kenny Omega. Uh, Pack then uh, drives the chair into Omega's head one more time after the first fall goes down, weakening Omega even more, um, but perfectly setting up Pack to drop his black arrow uh, to even things up at one fall apiece. So some clever heel tactics there, despite the fact that he uh, lost the first fall through disqualification. Then there was a, a wicked falcon arrow by Pack off the ring apron with Omega landed hard uh, outside the ring. You could hear the thud as Omega landed from that one. Um, in another holy shit moment from Pack, uh, Pack drives Kenny Omega through a table which was set up on the outside with the shooting star press from the top turnbuckle to the outside, and that was pretty spectacular. Uh, Pack connects with a poison rana on Kenny Omega before applying the rings of Saturn, looking for a submission win uh, with only two minutes left on the clock. Uh, Pack, uh, I, I think Omega manages to get to the the, the ropes, um, but then Pack reapplies the the brutalize or the wings the rings of Saturn as the clock ticks down to zero, um, bringing an end to this excellent thirty minute Iron Man match, uh, one fall apiece as the Bucks come in to see to their friend. Uh, there's a, there's a decision to restart the match under sudden death rules. And uh, with, with a, a jumping knee strike and a one-winged angel, Kenny Omega got the decisive pinfall over Pack in this very stiff, high-impact and uh, ultra-realistic match uh, between these two excellent wrestlers, two of the best wrestlers on AEW, but I love the hell out of this. There's there's some criticism on the, the Facebook page that there were too many close to falls, too many kickouts, uh, but I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of this one. And like I said, throughout my commentary of this match, you know, it, it was stiff. It was hard hitting. It was realistic. Both wrestlers really went through a battle in this one here. And some of the moves just really made you wince, especially that uh, Falcon Arrow on the outside and the shooting star press through the uh, through the table and so much others. But uh, what impressed you about this match in particular and uh, about, you know, about the decision to go into sudden death uh, where Kenny Omega eventually got the second fall? Uh, give us your thoughts on this one, Nick. Uh, the impressive part was it was... A match on free TV, you know, they've given us this on an episode of Dynamite. This is something that we could have put onto any pay-per-view. And, uh, yeah, we got it for free on on a two-hour TV uh, show. Uh, it was just awesome. It was always going to be a bit of fun of pack since back in the day. It didn't really, I don't watch too much New Japan, so it wasn't a big... Uh, I didn't know much about Omega before AEW started. I've seen bits and bobs on YouTube. Uh, but I'm just loving him. His work's awesome, and those two are just yeah. Like I say, it was stiff. It was brutal. It had you flinching. Uh, there was a few ooh, moments. Uh, yeah, I think it was just absolutely an awesome match. Uh, yeah, I can't fault it. Um, I'm not a massive fan of the sudden death thing. I think you know if you uh, 
it's a 30 minute match, leave it as a draw. You know, fans would have still would have standed up, you know, they would have stood up and applauded it and just be like, you know, they wouldn't have felt like they'd been done out of anything if it had ended one or. Uh, but obviously, the pack had to lose then to set up the, uh, the aftermath. Indeed, indeed. But to, one thing that I was really impressed with is a 30-minute match, they usually drag. They usually kind of, you're kind of looking at your watch and you're kind of twiddling your thumbs. You're thinking, oh, when's this going to end? Especially if it's a, a WWE match on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah. But this match just flew by. It, it, it didn't seem like 30 minutes at all. It seems, you know, 20 minutes tops. It just absolutely flew by because the action was so good. The fans were into it. Um, you know, the, the moves were so awesome. And these two just gelled. I know that I know they've had matches before, Nick, but these two just gelled perfectly. So much chemistry between these two and uh, so much credit to, to Pac. Um, you know, he, he had a good run of things to start off with in AEW, but he's had a few losses recently. But, you know, the losses don't really hurt him, to be honest with you. But um, I, I, I've said this before, you know, that it'd be great if they could add a secondary title because I think yes. somebody like Pac would be perfect for a secondary title, you know, along the levels of, uh, along the level of a, you know, an intercontinental type title um but uh, yeah a fantastic match really loved it and and like you say we we don't deserve to watch something as good as that on free tv that really you know is a pay-per-view level uh, match and considering it opened the show as well even more impressive <laughs> but then as you alluded to nick after the match you had tony shivani he, he was uh, started to interview pat on the stage area and uh, you had you had freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy came out only to be attacked by the bastard setting up their match at uh, Revolution on Saturday. So I know we're going to talk about the matches at Revolution very very soon. But uh, um, two very contrasting wrestlers. Um, but uh, that 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 was quite fun. That was really fun. And then we went into a, another match, a trios match uh, between uh, members of uh, the Inner Circle. And uh, the Jurassic Express, of course. So this match was fast-paced. It was a ton of fun. Uh, but Sammy Guevara was about to use Ortiz's loaded sock on the Jungle Boy. And then we saw Darby Allen uh, came from out of nowhere to strike Guevara, uh, allowing Jungle Boy to get the surprise pinfall, setting up um, even further Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara, which was announced last week. Uh, that's going to be another match that's going to be going down at Revolution. Now, on last week's Wrestling with Jonas podcast, uh, we were asking the listeners questions, Nick, um, about whether there should be, as we just uh, spoken about, a mid-card title or a secondary title on AEW. And at the time, I suggested there should be maybe a trios title. Now, after watching this match, I'm even more convinced that a trios title in AEW would work a treat when you've got you know factions like the Dark Order, you've got factions like Jurassic Express, uh, SCU, the Inner Circle, a trio title, but uh, you, the best friends, of course. But um, uh, I've got to say, I, I want your opinion on, on that in a moment. But to one person that really impressed me during this match, and he's not really impressed me up until this match, and uh, that might just be me not paying close attention, but it's Marco Stunts. Now, he's always been kind of the, the runt of the litter uh, alongside Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. But here, I felt that Marco, he really delivered, really demonstrated why he's an important part of that team. Um, but yeah, Marco Stunt, I'm becoming a bit of a fan of his where I wasn't before. Uh, but give us your thoughts on a, a a possible trios title which could work really well in AEW and the match as a whole and, and Marco Stunt are you a fan? Uh, yeah on both parts the trio belt would be amazing because it would stand mm. out as well it would be something you know that's not anywhere else that I know of or if it is it's obscure um, yeah I, I like the idea of a trio belt and like I said there's plenty of uh, people involved that could you know hold it compete through it keep it fresh 
Uh, yes, genius idea. Um, regarding stunt, yeah, he's like I say he's doing one of the little. He's the oh Christ, he's smaller than Spike Dudley, but he's kind of like that, you know, the, the little feisty guy, or you know, that's just will go and go and go. He's like the Energizer Bunny, you know, the dude just does not stop, and he's just got the you can't help but you know feel for the guy. He's got that got, uh, cliche, but his little body and a big heart, you know, it's that kind of like you just rooting for him. Dog. Um, yeah, yeah. And you, the fact that it's part of just Jurassic Express is just that whole, all three, all three of those guys. Uh, I just, I, yeah, I love that team. I think they're awesome. Yeah, they're my favourite, especially Luchasaurus. I think there's big things in the in the pipeline for him. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Jungle Boy possibly gets, uh, um, you know, a, a, you know, some some gold around his waist before Jurassic Express. But I'd love them to be tag team champions. I think they're a great team. They work really, really well together. They're so over with the fans as well. Uh, but yeah, it's Marco Stunt in particular that kind of had a really good match, and he was the one that really kind of stood out and impressed me. And maybe they did it you know, uh, with a purpose to kind of put him over and, and get him over with the fans um, because it, the, the spotlight's always been on Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. So a um, bit more of a spotlight this week on, on the Marco Stunt and I thought it worked really, really well. So another question for you then, Nick. So I'm, I'm not sure if you caught the Dark Orders video package where they were promoting uh, their match with SCU at Revolution, but towards the end, you had Evil Ono, he addressed Christopher Daniels and said that uh, when all is said and done, uh, you will be obsolete. Uh, so give me your thoughts on uh, who you, you know, what, what you think might be happening between the Dark Order and Christopher Daniels. Um, who do you think will be the, the exalted one, more importantly? But was there a bit of a giveaway during the Dark Order's promo when Evelona used the word obsolete, possibly leading us to believe that uh, Matt Hardy could be, uh, you know, something... Uh, to do with with the Dark Order, maybe the Exalted One, but uh, it, it's been a bit of a an ongoing storyline and an ongoing thread for a while now, and uh, it's getting more and more interesting every single week. You've got, you know, obviously, you know, where does Christopher Daniels play in all of this? Uh, the Dark Order, them using the word obsolete, uh, which is, you know, quite clearly uh, an infamous reference from uh, the Hardys. But uh, give us your thoughts on this one, then, buddy. Well, it's not just on TV. They've been doing it on social media as well, haven't they? Where um, when Matt Hardy got injured, um, I, mean, I think the AEW account tweeted something like, "Oh, you say goodbye, we say hello," uh, and Matt Hardy liked it. Uh, so that's like you know planting in the seeds. Um, mm. Originally, the idea would be to go to AEW, and I honestly hope he does because. Just dude's like creative. His brain is just. I mean, we saw what he did when he was at TNA, and he had that creative freedom, and he came up with a whole broken character. Uh, it was WWE signed him back, but then you know, kind of controlled it or restricted any kind of input by the looks of it, because it just never worked that well when he came back. Um, but and also on the flip side, you've got the the big money contract now. WWE is, is screwing about the fact that he might go to AEW and they're apparently offering a big money contract and he's going to turn up on NXT at some point. Um, If he doesn't go to to AEW, though, they've literally blown their load on that one word. As soon as they say obsolete, if the fans now do not get Matt Hardy, they're going to be gutted. They're going to be disappointed. Yeah, they're getting excited, kind of, uh, thanks to that one word over 
um, you know, uh, over whether Matt Hardy will be joining. But um, it's it's intriguing, isn't it? It's definitely kind of getting you excited. I mean, I've never really been into the Dark Order too much, but as the week's gone on and kind of the exalted one and now the link possibly with Matt Hardy and what's going on with Christopher Daniels, it, it, it's quite intriguing. And I, I think we might get a few answers on Saturday night when uh, the Dark Order take on SEU, certainly with regards to Christopher Daniels, I think, anyway. But uh, then we move on to the main event section of this week's AEW dynamites with the weigh-in for the AEW world heavyweight championship match so then we had uh, somebody that i've interviewed on the wrestling with john's podcast gary michael capetta he was brought out to do the formal introductions uh the inner circle came out with uh, with le champion chris jericho uh, moxley and jericho took turns to be weighed with moxley going first and I loved how uh, Jericho kept stalling. He took his time to be weighed. He, you know, he slowly handed over the championship belt and then a necklace and then a scarf uh, with Jericho kind of mocking the, the Idaho fans in, in the arena. Uh, that that was pretty good, getting some proper heel heat there from the fans. Uh, Jericho then j- chose to go face-to-face with Moxley, but Moxley headbutted Jericho uh, pretty hard as well, uh, busting Jericho open hard way, or at least that's kind of the rumour that it was hard way. You know, with the, the kind of the, the type of cut he had just above his nose, it looked like that was from uh, directly from the headbutt. And then uh, Dustin Rhodes came out, he raced out uh, to, to fight it out with uh, Jake Hager, they went backstage. They fought around the concessions area. That was quite fun. Darby Allen came out again to confront Sammy Guevara, uh, with Sammy getting the better of the exchange this time round, breaking Darby's skateboard uh, across the head of its owner. Uh, Jericho and Moxie continued to fight around the ring with a very bloody Jericho connecting with the Judas effect spinning back elbow before dropping Moxley with Moxley's very own paradigm shift on the scales as the show goes off the air with another super hot ending to this week's AEW Dynamite. So there, there was a lot to unpick here, Nick. Uh, a lot went down. Um, you know, I thought that uh, Chris Jericho played the perfect heel, really kind of healing it up with the fans. Uh, Moxley, you know, doing his usual antics, uh, that the headbutt and, uh, you know, how it all turned out with, with Dustin Rhodes coming down. Darby Allen getting involved, a lot to unpick here. Um, but um, yeah, what, what was your thoughts on what went down during this main event segment? It was meant to be a, a weigh-in. I, I, I don't think it kind of transpired that way, as these things tend to do, whether it's a contract signing or whether it's a weigh-in. Uh, you know, they always end up in a bit of a brawl. But uh, this was obviously the, the go-home episode before AEW uh, Revolution, and this was the go-home segment, the final bit before this coming Saturday's pay-per-view. Uh, do you think they delivered in what they were trying to achieve with this this final segment before uh, Revolution this Saturday? today oh god yes um and i love the fact it was a weigh-in as well um it's just different it's you know a kind of obviously everybody knows suspension of disbelief um it just made it feel different it kind of made it feel like more of a main event more of a title match you know because we've all kind of whether we watch ufc whether we watch boxing you we associate that weigh-in with you know like a an actual showbiz moment it's something that gets the crowd hyped up for the match and um, yeah, I thought it was, it was genius. And then, like you say, Jericho just being Jericho, guy can just draw heat, um, like you know, nobody's business. He knows how to work the crowd. The dude uh, just absolutely demonstrates this time and time again, uh, which is obviously why they put the belt on him in the first place. And yeah. um, I just think, yeah, I think it did everything it needed to do. You obviously got uh, Goldie out, uh, taking down Hager. 
sets up their match. Sammy um, got a bit of revenge for early on in the show, um, hypes up you know his match against Derby, um, and then the the headbutt was yeah that was just kind of just kind of reminded me of the uh, Samoa Joker angle headbutt from back in the day in TNA where Joe busted open angle, very similar headbutt. Yeah, so they obviously planned the headbutt. You know that that that's that's for certain. But did they plan the blood? I mean, you know, uh, because we did this conversation earlier on the uh, Wrestling with John's Facebook page. You know, somebody asking, you know, did he blade or was it uh, a hard way cut? And I think you you kind of jumped in and said, you know, it, 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 it definitely was hard way as far as you're concerned. You could tell by kind of the the type of cut it was above his head or on his forehead. Um, I mean, looking at it, I'm pretty convinced it was a hard way cut. So, I mean, it makes you wonder, did they plan to have blood? Uh, because they obviously planned the headbutt spot, but did they plan to kind of get colour during that uh, during that spot as well? Um, well, I mean, you, you, you kind of, you know, you, you're fairly certain that it was a, a hard way cut. But um, give us your thoughts on the headbutt in particular. Uh, yeah, I think it's purely because, I mean, I might be wrong. I'm not saying I'm, I'm 100% right. But looking at the pictures that Jericho's posted on Instagram afterwards, it just looks like a nasty cut. It doesn't look clean. It doesn't look, you know, smooth like a, a blade job would do. Um, so, yeah, that's what makes me think it's hard. I think there's a case of, you know, if we get blood, we get blood. If we don't, we don't. You know, the headbutt looks brutal as it is. If we get blood, you know, it's a cheeky bonus. Yeah, yeah, but it was just so well played. I just uh, loved every minute of it. And uh, like you say, Jericho was obviously the star of the whole segment, the way that he was, you know, giving it to the fans and uh, was giving it to Gary Michael Capetta. And, uh, you know, it, it was just absolutely, you know, he delivers every single time he's uh, in the ring uh, behind the microphone. Um, I loved the, kind of the backstage brawl or the, around the concession stand with uh, uh, Dustin and, uh, and Hager. Uh, loved all of that. But like you say, they, they, you know, they've been building these matches up over the last few weeks, certainly during this episode. And that main event kind of uh, segment, that main event angle kind of really helped to hype up some of the big matches at Revolution. Um, so, yeah, a, a, a thumbs up episode. Um, as I said to you at the, kind of the very beginning, I'm a, a big convert to uh, AEW um, and uh, look forward to watching it every single week. And, uh, you know, I know NXT always deliver with the wrestling action, but uh, AEW, they deliver with the wrestling and with the characters and with the angles and with the crowd heat and with the atmosphere. Um, and, uh, yeah, love every moment of AEW and this week in particular. And a really good go-home show. That That's what a go-home show should, should be, to get you hyped up, to get you excited for the big pay-per-view. And they definitely knocked it out of the park there. Um, so, um let us have a little look at uh, the the, uh, the Revolution card, an AW Revolution taking place on Saturday, the 29th of February, 2020. And uh, according to my list here, I've got eight matches that have been announced. One uh, has been named uh, a, a, a kickoff match. I think that uh, um, SCU versus the Dark Order um, could well be a kickoff match uh, during the hour pre-show that they've got uh, tomorrow night. Um, but uh, let's have a look at uh, the other seven matches and starting with Pack versus Orange Cassidy then. So this is an interesting match. I know they had a, a brief exchange a couple of weeks ago where Pack wasn't too impressed with uh, Orange Cassidy's shin kicks. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, they, they, you know, they, they said 
in the ring this week on Dynamite that um, uh, he, how did they describe it? The best friend said that he, he, he might try or something like that. He might put in some effort. He might try in this match. But I, I've seen Orange Cassidy wrestle. He's kind of performed this character for a while now. But then when, when the match gets kind of really into it, um, he does perform some awesome moves, not just to dive through the ropes, um, but he, he is a, an out-and-out awesome wrestler. So I think that when the, you know when, when the match gets going between him and Pac, you'll see Orange Cassidy kind of surprise a few people with what he's capable of in the ring. We know what Pac's capable of. We saw it during the 30-minute Ironman match uh, on Wednesday for crying out loud. He's just uh, one of the one of the best in the world. Uh, but uh, I, I'm intrigued by this match because of the contrast in styles, because of the contrast in characteristics. You've obviously got the, you know, the the angry, nasty bastard pack, and then you've got the kind of, you know, uh, half-assed Orange Cassidy, um, and uh, you know, it's going to be such a, a really fun, amazing match. But um, uh, I've, I've got to say, I've, I've got to, I can only see a pack win here. To be honest with you, I can only see a pack win. Um, but this is Orange Cassidy's first singles match in AEW, so it'll be interesting to see if they put the win on him. Um, I don't think a loss will hurt him, to be honest with you. I seriously don't think a loss will hurt Orange Cassidy because I think he's so over with the fans. Uh, whether he wins or loses, he's still going to be massively popular uh, when all said and done. But so give us your thoughts on this one and give us a winner as well. Yeah, well, straight off, Pack will win it, uh, but Cassidy will look strong in defeat. It's going to be one of those, as you sort of said, you know, is that over... Um, the lot were harming. Um, if anything, it'll, it'll you know make people pop more because I just think if this is the first match on the actual show, um, they're going to have the mentality of going out there and setting the bar for the rest of them to follow. And yeah, like I sort of said on the, on the Facebook page, I think this has got the potential to be the gem of the night. That this mm. match could be the one that people are talking about the next day, uh, just purely because. If you don't know much about Cassidy, obviously you just know him as this nonchalant character of hands in pockets, just like me. Yeah. Uh, and then, but yeah, once he gets fired up in this match, I think yeah, him and Pac will just go at it in spades, and yeah, it, it, it will deliver. Yeah, I'm really excited for this match. I can't tell you how excited I am for for these two. Um, I think the fans are going to be on their feet throughout all of it. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, then the next match uh, for the AW Women's World Championships, a brand new world champion, Nyla Rose, going on up against Chris Statlander. I think, to be honest with you, this, this was the match that everybody wanted for Revolution. Um, as I've said uh, over the last couple of weeks on uh, Wrestling with John's podcast, I'm so happy that Nyla Rose is the new women's champion. I think she adds a breath of fresh air to the division. Um, as much as I admired Ryu's um, ability in the ring, um, I, I found the division kind of felt a bit flat with her as the champion. With Nyla Rose as the champion, I think that she's um, you know already doing a good job, uh, both uh, from a character standpoint. I think she's uh, good uh, in the ring as a kind of a, a big woman wrestler. Um, but uh, I think that her character, more than anything, just just kind of does it for me. And uh, going up against Chris Statlander, uh, you know, she, she, she had a, a false start or two in 2019 uh, when she first appeared on AEW. But um, I think she makes a perfect number one contender. And I think these two kind of um, bigger uh, but quite athletic, powerful uh, women wrestlers will, will definitely deliver on Saturday night. Um, I've got to be honest, I can't see Nyla Rose losing the championship so soon after winning it. Um, but nevertheless, I think Chris Statland is going to give her a run for her money. But uh, I'm going for Nyla Rose. What about yourself? 
Yeah, Nyla Rose, she's not going to drop it this soon. And I just thought she's she's a good uh, figurehead for the division. Uh, she'll be there week in, week out. Uh, and it's definitely, you know, she's definitely someone they can build the division around and hopefully start implementing, implementing some storylines going forward. So, you know, the, the, the journey to the challenge her, you know, means something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to that one in particular. Like I say, it, it seems quite a fresh, quite a new and interesting match. Chris Statlander is, is a hell of a wrestler. And um, yeah, Nyla Rose, we just uh, love everything about her. I think she's a, a good big woman wrestler and uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, reminds me of when I first started watching women's wrestling back in the 90s with the likes of Aja Kong and Borna Kano and, uh, you know, but, but yeah, she, she's a beast. And uh, yeah, I think she's um, an awesome uh, world champion as it stands at the moment. Um, then, then we've got Darby Allen going up against Sammy Guevara. So I think this is a match that a lot of people are looking forward to. Two uh, very similar wrestlers in terms of their um, a, a ability in the ring. Uh, both kind of quite um, high-flying uh, risk-takers, daredevils, you could say, uh, with, with Darby Allen definitely being the, the kind of more, uh, more more crazy of the two wrestlers. Sammy Guevara is a bit more um, into the, the flips and the dives, but he's a bit he's quite an accurate wrestler in terms of the way he hits his moves. He's quite smooth in the ring um, and uh, a good all-round performer. And uh, despite the fact that he was on the receiving end of that super kick from uh, Matt Jackson last week, he sold it like an absolute boss. Um, so uh, ca- I can't wait to see what these two do. Um, it's going to be absolutely crazy. I think Sammy Guevara, more than anything, is really delivering as a heel as well. I think he, you know, being part of the inner circle has, has done him as a character and as a, you know as an overall performer um, massive favours. And certainly being around Chris Jericho and what he's learned from him. I think he, he's, he's definitely really elevated his game, elevated his career, being part of the inner circle. I, I just, this is another match similar to the other two that we just spoke about that I just can't wait to see. I'm just really intrigued. It seems fresh, exciting, too young, uh, really you know good up-and-coming wrestlers that we know can perform in the ring. It's, it's, it's a tough one to call, though, to be honest with you. I think the crowd favourite is obviously going to be Darby Allen. Um, I, 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 I like Sammy Guevara more. So, uh, you know, for that logic alone, I'm going to go for Sammy Guevara. Uh, but uh, what about yourself, Nick? Uh, I think cause coming back off of an injury, uh, Alan will get the EW. Uh, and I think the just kind of got the feeling about Sammy is that it will take a loss, but still look good with look good losing, uh, which they need to be careful of going forward because it's going to start getting into dodgy territory where he's just going to be losing all the time. They're going to sort of, you know, they're that confident and he is that good. Uh, yeah, they, they could risk damaging the character if he takes too many more losses, but I think he is going to take a loss to Alan. Mm, yeah, and uh, I, I think, you know, if, if Sammy Guevara is going to win, it will be a, a cheap victory. It will be kind of like a you know, a, a roll up with feet on the ropes or, or yeah. something like that, or maybe a bit of outside interference from um, from Santana and Ortiz, who I don't think uh, are actually involved in a match. So they could potentially, you know, accompany Sammy Guevara down to the ring, which could play a factor. In fact, so now that I've said that, I'm always certain that that's um, a, a yes. likelihood that they will accompany him down to the ring, which could lead to, you know, if, if Sammy Guevara is going to win, it's going to be through uh, through um, some some nefarious outside interference. But uh, yeah, that, that was going to be one to watch definitely uh another one to watch is going to be jake hager versus dusty Rhodes. um we've not seen jake hager 
in a, in a match at all. I don't think whether it be tag or uh, in singles since he's uh, been on AEW, he's been the kind of very silent, uh, slightly comical, uh, but very menacing kind of uh, henchman of the inner circle. Uh, but uh, he's played his part very, very well. So we get to see kind of what he can do inside the ring. We we know that he's a former um, WWF, WWE uh, World Heavyweight Champion, of course, many, many moons ago. And uh, of course, he's uh, got a 2-0 uh, record in uh, mixed martial arts. Um, but um, yeah, this could be quite an interesting match between two veterans of the, the wrestling game, you could say. Um, but I, I, I'm expecting a win from uh, Jake Hager here, to be honest with you. I think Dustin Rhodes, is, as good as a fight he's going to put up uh, put on on Saturday night, I think uh, Jake Hager is the one that he's going to be kind of uh, putting over on this occasion. I think Dustin Reynolds, his, his uh, role within the company is to kind of put the, you know, the other person over. Um, but um, I'm going for Jake Hager. Um, I, I, I think purely because we haven't seen anything from him, you know, he's, he's a, uh, similar to um, Orange Cassidy, I suppose, his first singles match in AEW. But uh, Hager is the man for me. But what about yourself? Yeah, uh, he's got a win to keep that sort of... If he loses, his whole character is useless. Yes. Uh, if he loses, he's, he's, he's not the enforcer anymore. He's, he's, he's useless to the other circle. So he's got to he's got to get the W. And like I say, I think Dustin will just make him look like a million dollars. Uh, you know, and put him over. He'll bust his ass to make Hager look good. Um, whether Hager needs much help, I said, because we haven't seen him for so long. Um, don't know whether the ring rust is going to be an issue in there, uh, whether that's why they've put him up against, you know, they've put him in with Dustin in the first place. So, mm-hmm. you know, walk him through it, get him back into the uh, flow of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's 100% Hager. Yeah, and the match I'd like to see in the future is uh, Jake Hager versus Luchasaurus. I think that'll yeah. be a pretty good match. But uh, we oh, saw gosh. we saw a bit of a a glimpse of a, a possible matchup, um, and I think it was during the tag team battle wall last week where I think uh, Jake Hager went. Was, no, it might be Luchasaurus went uh, nose to nose with with the butcher from uh, from the butcher and the blade. But uh, that would be a pretty tasty match sometime somewhere down the line. But uh, Jake Hager versus Luchasaurus would be a match I'll be looking forward to certainly. But uh, yeah, I think Hager's got the got got the win on Saturday night over Dustin in that one. But uh, there we've got a match for the AEW World Tag Team Titles: Kenny Omega and Adam Page going up against the Young Bucks, uh, Matt and Nick Jackson. Uh, this match is sure to be a good one. You've got two uh, babyface teams and um, uh, no doubt, uh, you know, the drinking angle from the hangman will probably play a part here. Uh, where, you know, we've seen it in a few matches before where uh, Adam Page has kind of uh, nearly uh, connected with Kenny Omega. And I think there has been a, an occasion where he's kind of hitting with a, a buckshot lariat, but uh, uh, they still came out of the match with a win. Um, but I think there's going to be possibly, you know, uh, Adam Page either turning full heel or something that's going to cost him the title. And I think the Young Bucks will kind of walk out the champions on Saturday night. That's just my thoughts. Uh, I think it's going to be a great match. I think they're going to give him some time as well. I think they're going to give him a good 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes, um, because that's no less than these four talents deserve, to be honest with you. Um, I, I've not been the biggest fan of the Young Bucks. I've got to be honest with you. I think they're a bit too flippy and, uh, you know, a bit too yeah, a bit, a bit too much flippy wrestling and not enough storytelling for me. But um, I have seen a little bit more 
um, storytelling from these two over recent weeks a bit more than we had before. So I've kind of turned my opinion a little bit on the Young Bucks uh, ever so slightly. But I think more than anything, this is going to be a really good match. Interesting to see where it goes. I think there is going to be something that's going to come out regarding Adam Page um, and uh, you know possibly a heel turn. Uh, but um, yeah, I've got to go for the Young Bucks. And I think it's all going to be down to Adam Page possibly losing the championships for his team. But what about yourself, Nick? Yeah, it's weird with this match because if you remember the last time I was on the show, it, it, it just starting to plant the seeds of yeah. Page's sort of turn, and we, we discussed it at that point. Um, I don't think Page is going to go heel though. I'm hoping Omega and the Bucks will go heel because uh, I think the fans are just too into Page, uh, even with the drinking and stuff. You now he's getting in with the fans, celebrating afterwards. Um, I think it'd be easier to turn Omega and Bucks heel. Um, they obviously did it so well over in Japan um, but yeah I think you're right Bucks will win um, you know it's got to be something to do with Paige that uh, costs the victory or Omega hesitates for a minute or something it could be down to Omega but some miscommunication between Paige and Omega leads to falling out uh, but I'm the opposite way around I'm hoping Paige comes out of his face uh, that's really interesting. I hadn't really given that much thought, to be honest with you, that, that it could be the other way round. Like you say, Adam Page is very popular with the fans, uh, mainly because he likes to share a drink or two with them. Um, but uh, yeah, oh, crikey, having Kenny Omega as, as a heel on AEW, that could be quite interesting. But certainly a fresh dynamic, a fresh plot twist and, uh, you know, a fresh... Um, a, a fresh character arc for Kenny Omega. Um, I mean, he, he probably needs it, to be honest with you. I, I, I think, you know, besides this Wednesday when he fought Pac in that really, really good 30-minute Ironman match, I haven't really seen a lot from Kenny Omega that I've been particularly impressed with um, besides that match on Wednesday against Pac, as I've just mentioned. So, you know, maybe a, a change is as good as a rest for Kenny Omega and uh, oh, maybe the other books, but um, could be interesting. That match he did against Moxley, the uh, hardcore one. I've got to be impressed with that one. Yeah, no, you're very right. Yeah, very true. That that was a really good match as well. Um, not everybody's cup of tea, I have to say, but I definitely enjoyed it. But uh, then th- the next match, it's been building for a while. We saw the heel turn from MJF on his uh, mentor, uh, so-called best friend at the time, Cody. Um, this has had a really, really good build. You obviously had MJF at the beginning of the year set out some stipulations that Cody wasn't allowed to lay a hand on MJF um, and that he was to receive 10 lashes, which we saw a couple of weeks ago. That was a, an amazing segment on a really, really good episode of Dynamite. And then, of course, we had the, the spectacular steel cage match with uh, Wardlow last week, all leading up to this uh, big match finally the two of them uh, finally Cody gets his hands on MJF and uh, that's something that he's been wanting uh, ever since the beginning of the year and uh, or ever since MJF turned heel on him I suppose that would have been at their last pay-per-view which was full gear I think back in October or November of last year Um, so uh, MJF clearly the most uh, hated heel in AEW Um, he really is a complete dickhead and uh, I'm looking forward to this one I I don't know whether it's going to be the best wrestling match of the night but I think it could receive quite a lot of crowd heat which could elevate the quality of the match or you know certainly what we're watching on our TV screen so I think they're going to deliver most definitely but I think it's going to be more about the drama more about the crowd heat and uh, more about how MJF is going to try and get away from Cody uh, to avoid the the beating that he so richly deserves. But um, I've got to go for a Cody win here, to be honest with you. I mean, if MJF is going to win, it's going to be by, you know, heelish tactics. 
Um, but uh, much in the same way we described Sammy Guevara as possible win against Darby Allen. But uh, yeah, I think that's the only way that he's going to win through heelish tactics. But I've got to say Cody purely because of the punishment that he's gone through, the hell that he's gone through over the last few weeks um, in the build up to this match. But um, it's, it's going to be a good match. I think, you know, they're going to deliver. And uh, I think the crowd absolutely adore Cody. I think uh, the AEW fans um, consider Cody a bit of a god. Um, and uh, yeah, I like everything about Cody. I really bought into his character. And um, there we go. But that's my thoughts on, on this match. Cody versus MJF. Uh, what's your thoughts on this one then, Nick? I don't know. Um, I think the... You're spot on. It's not going to be a five-star, you know, wrestling clinic. It's going to be a story match, same as kind of like his first match with Dustin was. Uh, it's going to be about the emotion that they're going to have the the audience on the edge of the seats. They're going to tell a story. Uh, that seems to be Cody's role in the in the company, where the other guys do all the flippy stuff or have you know the five-star technical matches. Cody's all about the build-up. He's about the storytelling. Uh, the dude just tells an awesome story. Um, and it's going to be the same. Obviously, you've got the, you know, like you said, the biggest dick in the company going up against the the, the biggest baby face, um, you know, the, the people's champion. Um, and I don't know. I think if MJF loses, he loses some of that dickiness. Yeah. Um, where Cody, if Cody doesn't win, I think it just makes it, you know, where, where do you go after this if MJF loses? You know, that's the end of the feud. But if MJF wins by some dastardly means, they can put. It, we need more than one match. If Cody wins, there's no need for a follow-up match. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think with all the, the build that they've gone through, um, and uh, you know the, the, the storyline that they've built uh, to this match, I think it's it's kind of bigger than just the one match. I, I totally agree yeah. with you, and I think that yeah, that that could potentially lead me to believe that MJF wins. And then we've got uh, Double or Nothing 2 in May, so a few months down the road where they could potentially have a you know a big stipulation match because this is just a regular one-on-one singles match. Um, so I think that you know to, to blow off a, a feud as big as this, they need a kind of a big stipulation match as we've been used to over the years as wrestling fans. Uh, so uh, yeah, we could get the shocker on Saturday night and see MJF um, the victor. So that's well, really we- really intriguing. Haven't they just announced as well, obviously, uh, Lance Archer signing with AEW? Very or true. Um, you know, could he be Wardlow number two? You know, could he come out and cost Cody the match and team with MJF and Wardlow and have another little uh, trio? Maybe, maybe, yeah. I think they yeah, hinted on uh, Dynamite that uh, we're going to see something from Lance Archer or Lance Archer is going to be at Revolution in one capacity or another. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that adds another element to it, doesn't it, really? So that's going to be really, really cool. And then that leads us nicely to the main event match at Revolution. You've got uh, Le Champion, Chris Jericho, going up against John Moxley, uh, two of the best, um, you know, at what they do, so to speak. But uh, John Moxley, he, he's massively over with the fans. Chris Jericho, another, you know, true heel um, and can, you know, master manipulator. Um, we mentioned earlier, I don't think we're going to see a five-star classic from these two, but it's going to be all about the drama, all about the crowd heat, um, all about the character. I reckon there's going to be quite a bit of outside interference from other members of the, the Inner Circle. I think that could be a running theme through some of these matches with the Inner Circle getting involved. But certainly during this main event segment, I expect to see, you know, some members of, you know, maybe Guevara, maybe uh, Hager, quite possibly Santana and Ortiz uh, trying to get involved in in, in, in this match. Um, and uh, 
it's a tough one to call. Um, personally, I want to see Chris Jericho hang on to the championship for a bit longer. I think he's been a, a fantastic champion. I think he deserves to hold on to it for longer, purely because um, he's helped to build the brand. He's added uh, importance to the championship. And um, I think that there's more um, that Chris Jericho can offer as the champion. And um, I think that, that there needs to be more in the story, more, more, more of the chase from uh, whether it be John Moxley or somebody else before he eventually kind of gives up the championship or loses the title. Um, so I don't think it's going to be John Moxley's night. I think it's going to be close, but I think that possibly with outside interference, uh, possibly with Chris Jericho and, you know, uh, with his heelish tactics, he's going to somehow manage to retain the championship because uh, I think it's too soon for Jericho to lose it. I think he kind of adds too much to uh, the, the championship, uh, being the champion to give it up so soon into his reign. But um, that's just my thoughts on it. So I'm going for Chris Jericho. I think it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be a bit of a nail biter and a, a, a really dramatic match. But what about yourself, Nick? Uh, I'm going Moxley. Um, oh, just interesting. I th- yeah, I, I want to see it on Moxley. Massive fan of Jericho. I've been since back in the day. Um, yeah. I just think it could do some good if, if Jericho drops it and then you know, they get the, the rubber match in May with the next pay-per-view or something along those lines. Um, we get to see Sulky Jericho. We get to see the Jericho that's not a low champion. Yeah. You know, he's having a strop about it. And Moxley's worked hard. Moxley's elevated his work. So I've been so impressed with him uh, over the last few weeks, especially with the eye patch. He's just... Everything he does in the ring means something. Uh, and I think it would just be awesome to see Moxley with the belt, even if it's even if he just holds it for until the next pay per view and Jericho gets it back. Um, I just, yeah, I think it'll give Jericho a bit of a chance to go away. He's, the dude's been busy for like what since May, since it started in October, since it's been on Episodic. Yeah. He's been in every episode. Dude's like, you know, 47 or something. I'd say give him a couple of months off, let him come back before the next pay per view, build up the rematch. Um, but yeah, just let Moxley um, let him have it for a, a couple of months, see how he handles it. Um, just yeah, and then build up the the, the return match, and then yeah. potentially, you know, we could have Moxley versus Omega down the line with Omega as the heel. Very true. Yeah, good bit of fantasy booking there. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you, and I, I certainly won't be disappointed if Moxley does win on Saturday night. I mean, I'll be happy for whether it's him or whether it's Jericho, because uh, I think both of them are kind of on the same level in terms of what they can you know, bring to the role as champion and, and, and uh, bring to AEW as a whole. Big fans of both of them. Uh, so it, it, it w- won't disappoint me, uh, regardless of the outcome, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I just think that Chris Jericho just shines as a champion. I just think that everything he's done, you know, and uh, uh, all, all the all the all the memes and uh, all the gifts and all the t-shirts, all the bottles of bubbly that he sold as champion, has just been a, a, an absolute blast to be honest with you. But uh, that, yeah, it, it's one of those kind of pickems. You, you know, that's going to be a difficult one to call. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see. But no doubt. AEW Revolution is going to be an amazing pay-per-view. Um, I'll certainly be watching live uh, via the, the Fight TV app. You've got uh, seven or eight matches there. You know, Every single one of those matches are just absolutely stellar. It's a, a very, very stacked card, and um, it's their first pay-per-view of 2020. And, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of... It, it's <laughs> When you compare this pay-per-view to uh, what we saw from the WWE last night over in Saudi Arabia. It's kind of, uh, it's a world of difference, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's not even the same ballpark. 
No, it really isn't. But uh, there we go. So no doubt going to be a good, good pay-per-view and what we'll, we'll be talking about for many, many months to come afterwards. Uh, but uh, that, that kind of wraps up the uh, predictions to AW Revolution portion of this show one final portion to go and that's the listeners questions so uh, i pinged over the, the questions that we're going to answer to you earlier on nick so we've got a couple of questions that we're going to look at uh both AEW related which is quite apt considering that uh, this podcast is focused quite heavily on AEW this week um but uh, the first question from ashley clements then and uh, ashley asks uh was the the pack and omega match uh, guilty of having too many near falls in a 30 minute ironman match uh, and on par with Ciampa versus Cole uh, for the amount of near falls and with there only being two falls in the 30 minutes, did it feel more like a two out of three falls match instead? So um, I think Ashley is saying, you know, was there, was there too many near falls? Um, you know, could, could they have possibly had less near falls? And uh, did it kind of feel more like a two out of three falls match instead of a 30 minute Ironman match? Usually when you get these Ironman matches, whether they're 30 minutes an hour long you normally get multiple pinfalls i i personally like the fact that they didn't have too many falls and as i said earlier i, I found that the 30 minutes went by very very quickly um so you know with that sometimes when you see ironman matches on the wwe product uh they you know they have maybe 10 or 15 minutes without one pinfall and then they have kind of multiples that just kind of roll off the back of one another and it, it gets a bit ridiculous you could be you know three to two up or five to four up or some combination of, you know, but this seemed a little bit more realistic in my eyes because it, it was just, you know, if you think about a 30 minute match, you, you you know, realistically, you probably get one fall, maybe two falls. So this felt real to me and I felt they played it really, really well. Yes, I think in modern day wrestling, there's a, a lot of close near falls. There's a lot of kickouts um, to add that extra element of drama um, and, you know, we've seen a lot of it on NXT as well. We see a lot of it um, in Japanese wrestling as well over in New Japan in particular, where there's, you know, these collection, these series of close near falls and lots of kickouts uh, just to build that drama. Sometimes it can get a little bit too much. Um, if I'm honest with you, you know, I, I think it was during the Adam Cole to Massive Champa match from TakeOver Portland. I felt that it was a little bit overkill there with the amount of close near falls and kickouts and lack of selling, to be honest with you. But I thought that the story they told on Wednesday night between Pac and Omega was absolutely perfect. There was a lot of selling. They obviously went through a hell of a battle between the two of them. I felt that just having the two falls was quite realistic. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I couldn't fault it, to be honest with you. But um, what about yourself, Nick? Uh, how would you answer Ashley's question there? Uh, yeah, I think um, two fours was plenty. I mean, these are two of the guys, two of the top guys in AEW, um, both been portrayed as like, you know, tough guys, proper badasses, you know, takes a lot to put them down. I think if they'd have got anything more than two fours, it would have weakened the characters because it would have been like, well, you know, how can they get pinned so many times within a 30 minutes space when we've seen them go through so much stuff beforehand? Um, you know, and only get like one pin in a 20 minute match or a 25 minute match or something like that. Uh, so I've not got an issue with the just being one pin uh, each. I think it, it, it fits the the integrity of the characters. The two out of three fours match stipulation as opposed to an Ironman match. It needed to be an Ironman match for the, obviously for the timer to run out whilst uh, Omega was in the submission. If it, you know, if it wasn't an Ironman match, that ending wouldn't work. So I think obviously it's been designed with that in mind. 
Mm, yeah, interesting. But uh, good question from Ashley. Um, hopefully we've answered your question uh, uh, well enough. But uh, then we get to our, our, our next question from uh, from Mags. Now, Mags has been on the podcast a couple of times before. And uh, Mags asks, uh, does a Moxley win at Revolution indirectly tarnish the prestige of the AEW title, considering he's a mid-card title holder in New Japan? So, of course, John Moxley is the current um, IWGP United States heavyweight champion um, over in New Japan, of course. Uh, so th- th- does a win for Moxley as the, as the new AEW champion, does it uh, kind of tarnish the pr- prestige of that championship considering he's a mid-card title holder over in New Japan? Uh, I'm going to start with you, Nick. What's your thoughts on this one? And if Moxley does win, does it kind of you know tarnish the prestige of AEW considering he's a mid-card title holder over in Japan at the moment? Uh, I think if you look back at the history of the US title in New Japan, uh, obviously like Cody's held it, uh, you know, Lance Archer, uh, the list of you know, the guys that held it previously. Uh, it, it, I, wouldn't, I know it is a mid-card title, but I think, you know, the, the people that have held it previously kind of elevate it. Um, and no, I don't think it does time shit. I think it's just, it's a US title, he's a, he's a US wrestler. Um, to me, I kind of just, I would look at it that way, as in, it's... Oh, it's this weird one. I get where the, you know where the question is coming from. But yeah. I think over the years we've had so many world champions hold the intercontinental title, the US title, after they've held world titles. Like it kind of blurs the lines a little bit between the mid card titles and the, the, the top tier title. I mean, it's like the intercontinental title was you know top belt on Raw for so long because Brock was never around. So you had Seth Rollins being the man whilst he was intercontinental title holder. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I get where you're coming from, and I, I think that uh, the the United States Championship over in New Japan it is quite a prestigious title. I mean, you mentioned some, some really big names there uh, of wrestlers that have held the U.S. title over in New Japan. You know, with the likes of you know Cody and and currently uh, John Moxley, of course. Um, uh, and many that have gone on to really big and better things, and those that have kind of held world championships before going over to Japan in the first place. Um, and I think, yeah, the US title is quite a, quite a prestigious title in its own right. And I think, you know, any kind of championship that you can hold in Japan kind of adds credibility to the wrestler, to be honest with you. And, um, yeah, it's an interesting question from, from Mags, most definitely. But I, I, I personally wouldn't say it tarnishes the prestige of the AEW world title if Moxley was to win it, considering he's a, you know, a quote-unquote mid-card title holder over in Japan. Um, so... It's an interesting one. I, 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 I think the US title is a bit more than just a, a mid-card title. I think, as I said you know, earlier on, it is quite a prestigious title. And um, I think all the championships over in New Japan can, can be considered prestigious. And if, if you're lucky enough to be able to hold one of those championships, you're definitely held in kind of high esteem, um, definitely considering how how serious new japan pro wrestling is taken as, as a as a wrestling organization um but um no personally i don't think it does tarnish the, the prestige of, of the aw title if moxley was to win it on saturday night but uh, any final thoughts on uh, max uh, max's question there then nick uh, yeah it's one of those it's it's a, it's a stupidly good question because it's kind of like there's you could you could discuss it for ages because you know there's there's going to be like well 
there's this point and there's this point. I agree with you. I don't think it does take it. Like I said, I think any belt in New Japan holds a level of uh, prestige about it, the, you know, the respects and everything like that, but it holds purely because, you know, like I say, wrestling in Japan, it's just held to such a high degree. Um, you know, they've got to be... Um, yeah, it's. I know it doesn't take it. I mean, on the flip side, I know it's sort of out to the left a little bit, but you know, when Warrior held the Intercontinental and the World Title, did that de- demolish the Intercontinental title, or did it de- demolish the World Title when he held oh. both at the same time? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully, Mags, that answers your question. So please uh, get in touch if you want to kind of send us any more listener questions. Obviously, you can email us uh, wrestlingwithjohners at gmail.com or get in touch with us. You can DM us through our uh, Twitter account and that's uh, at withjohners underscore pod. Or you can get in touch with us uh, via the, the Wrestling With Johnners Facebook community page. Um, so we'll be uh, asking you for more listener questions ahead of episode uh, 108 or 109, whatever we're up to next weekend. We'll be taught more NXT and AEW in the fallout from Revolution. So uh, thank you to Ashley and Mags for asking those questions. Uh, but Nick, that brings us pretty much to the end of this week's episode of uh, Wrestling With Johnners podcast, episode 107. Uh, thank you so much for being a big part of this episode and a fantastic guest host it's been excellent to have you back on the podcast again you've been a great contributor uh, to this podcast we've spoken a lot about nxt and aw of course we spoke a little bit about uh, the controversial ending to uh, super showdown at the very top of the show um and uh, and everything else but uh, hope you've enjoyed your uh, kind of return to the wrestling with john's podcast and uh, one final time for any of my listeners that want to get in touch with you if you want to throw out any social media plugs or handles where they can kind of get in touch with you say hi and learn more about you and your uh, your creative content in terms of your artwork then nick uh, oh, well, thanks for having me on, dude. Uh, it's been an absolute blast. Uh, regarding the links and uh, looking me up, or if you just want to chat wrestling, uh, pretty communicable kind of guy when it comes to. I'll, I'll talk to anyone about wrestling. Uh, as you know, John has said, the the links will be on the on the post when it gets uploaded. So yeah, if you just want to say hi, say hi. Uh, if you want to disagree with anything that I've said, please just drop me a message, drop me a comment. We'll discuss because you know that's what wrestling is about. It's you know fans talking about it. We don't, not everybody agrees. You know, well, that's awesome. Let's let's discuss it. There we go. But uh, thanks again, Nick, for uh, being a, a great guest host. And uh, we can't wait to have you back on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast sometime in the future. So that brings us to an end of episode 107. Uh, join us again on Sunday where myself and Chris Chris Thornton will be covering all of the action from AW Revolution. We'll be covering all the matches and uh, can't wait to get stuck into that. Can't wait to watch it Saturday night and covering it with Chris on Sunday. So that's going to be another can't-miss episode of the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. So please keep it tuned to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast for all of your weekly NXT and AEW updates, regular WWE and AEW pay-per-view reviews, exclusive interviews, and so much more. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please don't forget to spread the word. Tell your friends and tell your family. And don't forget to subscribe to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast so that you don't miss out on a single episode and you'll be notified every time a new episode drops. Uh, one final time, thank you to Nick uh, for being a great host, a great guest host on the podcast this week thank you to all of my listeners for listening and uh, take care we'll speak to you all again soon